Hi, this is Denise Garth, and if you're just tuning in, this is part two of our industry influencer conversation with David Smith. Uh, he's a CEO, a futurist, and a luminary in the insurance industry. So David, from a technology standpoint, what technologies do you see as really being transformative for the industry um, that people really need to start um, experimenting with if they haven't already? Well, all the obvious ones in various forms of machine learning and artificial intelligence and cognitive computing, you know, all, all of those things that make the interface uh, smoother with the customer. The second is the, the, the ability to analyze data. On, and as you quite rightly said, in a sort of real time, you know, mass, mass data, real time, drawing out insights from it requires the analytics and the, the artificial intelligence as well. But then obviously the engagement with all the uh, the devices and the internet of things and the, ultimately the internet of nano things which will be all over our bodies and in our bodies those things will tell you the state of things and managing the state of things whether it's a road or a wing of an aircraft or the condition of a tire or whatever wherever those sensors are if you can monitor the condition of them and say there is a greater risk that something bad's going to happen in now than there was 10 minutes ago what tell me Tell me there may be something uh, developing there that's going to be bad for me. So the Internet of Things is probably, to me at least, the most transformative um, range of technologies, sensors, devices, mo motors. Those, those things on machines and in homes and on our bodies are, are entirely connected to the state that we're in, which will mean that our insurance, which is monitoring, if you like, in a slow motion mode, the state that we're in, um, can be done on real time and absolute real time, not, not near real time, but real time basis, and then do something about it. And that's the change the industry has to consider. Is are we in the game of doing something about it? Are we in the game of collecting and knowing and telling you about it? Because someone's going to be. That's the point is there is a, there's a whole new industry growing up, which actually we're very excited to play with. How many people have got automated lights in their homes or, or, or devices on their water supplies or other other systems that gradually we're buying from from local electrical stores and in a random way it's 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 the opposite Denise of what you and I really cared about some years ago through a cord was standardizing data so you can share it yeah. and use it and the, the industry spent decades managing that whole supply chain of data and information which has not been easy at all and, and made a pretty decent job of it in in, in, a, in hard work in retrospect but yet at the same time, the very things it's going to need to rely on in the future are completely wild west country again, with non-standard, broad, broadly non-standard data being spewed out real time in every format you could ever imagine. Uh, the, the time to act on that is, is, is very quickly. It's not even just non-standard data. It's even just new sources of data that we never even thought about because you don't need it structured anymore. You can just put it all into a big... Uh, you know, uh, data lake, and you can run um, AI machine learning against it and kind of uncover things because, you know, some, uh, you know, some insurers are looking at using purchase data from Amazon as an example and how that can provide different kinds of insights. And I think that's one of the things that has been a real challenge, David, that you and I've talked about is as an industry, we've, we've kind of had our business model. We've had our business assumptions of what insurance is, which you rightly have, have kind of challenged here. And even you know what an actuary is. Now we're we're kind of um, facing um, a disruption of all of those that traditional thinking. 
and having to kind of rethink and reimagine insurance as we go forward. And how does that, how do we disrupt ourselves? And that's really difficult for a lot of um, leaders inside of an insurance company because they, even if they're a mutual, they've got current customers and they've got to take care of those. And so they've got to kind of run the existing business, but at the same time, they've got to figure out how are they going to create this new business for the future? So as you, as you talk to different insurers, what can they do to begin to kind of think about that future and how can they create a vision that's not going to just allow them to survive, but really allow them to thrive? Because I think there's going to be a new world order, so to speak, um, kind of a broad term, of some mm -hmm. of who are going to be the leaders in the next 10 to 15 years. You know, we've seen that happen continuously as we've seen shifts in technology or shifts in different kinds of uh, products and services that new leaders emerge, um, you know, that take over and others kind of fall to the wayside. Um, and I think that same thing has the potential of impacting um, insurance. So what are your, what would be your recommendations and guidance? Mm. Well, number one is that that's happened endlessly. And we produce endless lists of organizations who were at the top of their game and incredibly successful who, who fell away. And actually one of the most dangerous things for any firm today is to be successful. I know that sounds ludicrous to say because the whole purpose of a firm is to be successful in whatever terms it uses. But if you're successful, your desire to completely and fundamentally rethink what you're doing is actually pretty low because you're pretty sure, you know, I've got a cash cow. I've got, I've got things I like about my business and we've run it for years. I don't need a bunch of rising stars and the difficulty that they form. And my, my cash cows are never going to be turning to dogs and using this sort of full model, typical marketing segmentation. Well, that's not true. Every, every industry you look around you is, by the way, using a similar quote. Retail says, more change in the next, 150, in the next 10 years than the last 150. Insurance is saying that you know, in the next 10 years is more than uh, the last 150. Retail is saying the next 10 years more than the last 50, they say. So everybody recognizes that there's massive change. Well, now you've got to say to yourself, okay, he, he, I often say to a room full of insurers or others, if you're 100%, 40% of you aren't going to be here in the next decade. So let's draw a line down here. You're not here. What do you do about it? You know, the bottom line is that some of these forecasts are pretty reasonable because they're based on relatively recent digital change that's happened in the last 10 years. And a lot of firms are talking the talk. They know perfectly well what needs to be done. And ultimately, a lot of firms in the past have died and some in the future will, will wither because they won't change. And there's the issue, you know, we have to start off right at the very beginning. And I hate to use that term because it's so overworked these days, but purpose, and in my view, higher purpose, is, this, is the fundamental to ask yourself, what, what are you about as a company? Why do you exist? It isn't making money. That's a, that's a product of, of executing against your purpose. People like what you do and you make money from it. You don't make money. That's why the banks got into trouble at one point. They just forgot what they were about. But insurance, it's pretty clear what they're about. It's about protection. Uh, and okay, you can get down one more layer and it's compensation, but actually it's not that. It's the management of risk and, and mitigating risk to, to people who are doing things that they couldn't afford to go wrong. So what does that actually mean? If you sit down and say, what does it really mean in this day and age and what the next 10 year looks like it's going to look like? What does it mean to me to do? And then you end up with, oh, crikey, should we be doing that? Now, if you can't do that, if you can't do the monitoring of devices, for example, well, tie up with a utility who's been doing that 
for decades, tie up with an organization that's used to monitoring homes like an alarm company. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of companies who are used to that or take on some of those skills yourself if you want to bring them in-house. That's entirely up to you or partner with people in an ecosystem that allows you to offer a broader choice. But you can't, the one thing you can't do is just ignore it because eventually you'll be the firm who just compensates. And it's so easy to compete. And, and, and the others will just say, you do what? You just you let people suffer loss and then you pay them some money? Well, that's ridiculous. And the day they can say that because that's not what they do anymore, it's hard to recover. It's hard to bounce back uh, unless you've got very deep pockets uh, and a large wallet. It's hard to bounce back and re-engage in the game. So I, I think firms, number one, is it's about purpose and higher purpose. It's then down to vision. And I hate to say that again because it sounds so trite, but it's where are we going? And very often, if you ask someone about their vision statement, which is not wrong, it's not, not a bad thing, it's do more of what we already do. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, and that is not any sort of vision because, you know, a vision is normally about going somewhere. It's normally a journey. It's a destination. But if it's a destination, it's somewhere else. But if it's somewhere else, you have to describe what it is somewhere else. What, what does it look like? What, what are you going to be like? How might you act? What's driving you there? What's the foresight you're camping on that says, I think that's going to come true so I can monitor that? So in this incredible world of, of disruptive change left, right, and center, and it is almost everywhere you turn, politically, legislatively, technologically, of course, organizationally, the way the countries in the world work, the 195 countries, how they're configured, etc. it's all changing dramatically, political influence, etc. So, you know, we need to be clear what's driving towards the future we want. Are those things remaining as we think they are to drive us towards that, or do we need to change course? And are we going to be even able to acquire the skills and the capability to do the very things we want to do when we get there? You know, in many ways, David, um, uh, where we're at today <clears throat> as an industry with all of the different changes and trends that are impacting the industry all at the same time, we have almost the opportunity to go back to where we started from as an industry. To your point, it's not about insurance, it's about protection. And in many cases, it's about the greater good that we're trying to provide protection for those uh, that can't necessarily protect themselves that are part of a, of, a, of a greater group of people that together we're supporting each other from a, a society standpoint or from a social standpoint. And so in many ways, we have an opportunity to go back to the, the roots of where we started as an industry, whether, you know, it's in the coffee shops in, in London for shipping, or it was <laughs> with um, some of the uh, groups that were for agriculture, you know, that across Europe that it really kind of started, or it's back into um, Egypt with, uh, you know, the first coverage um, in Egypt. Many of those things, uh, you know, we have the opportunity to kind of go back to our roots. And I think you're right. It's very much about protection and rethinking what it is that we're about as, as, as businesses, as the industry shifts, and are we going to stay relevant? And, that, and there's the clever word. It's about being relevant to people's lives, isn't it? So it's not, it's yeah. not just doing things in a way that's new. And that's where we're at now as an industry. Most, a lot, no, it's not fair entirely, but a lot of new products are taking advantage of digital models of engagement. And that's great. You know, we've, we've arrived at that place, but we haven't got to the ultimate places. What do we do differently because of a consequence of all of these digital integrations and capabilities? That's something quite different. 
I mean, your point about the shipping is ideal. You know, the, the, co- the coffee bars in, in, in Lloyd's of London, the old Lloyd's coffee bars, was about sharing ships at sea between the ship owners. So they didn't mm-hmm. all suffer, individually suffer massive loss. Well, how about in the future I can predict roughly uh, or fairly accurately when a rogue wave will hit? Right now, that's impossible um, or very difficult. Um, but let's say I can do that reasonably well. I can say to a, sh- uh, a shipping owner, don't set, set sail today. Leave it till tomorrow. You'll miss it. And I've saved the ship. Or I can pay like the yep. Devonshire. The back got broken. It sunk. And it took years to work out what happened. And they probably think a rogue wave is it. So, you know, our ability to analyze things is part of what allows us to be a really close, important player with consumers as well as big corporates. So I think the insurance industry, if it goes the right way, my desire, because if it doesn't actually, the alternative is that people like um, utilities play in that game I've just talked about, and they'll never do it as well as insurance companies. Because the one thing about insurance companies, they are unbelievably rigorous and as careful with their data as they possibly can be uh, and careful with their operations. So not all industries are entirely aligned with that. I would wholeheartedly agree. So if we kind of close out here, David, um, if you could pick one word or a phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would that be? You know, I've thought about that. Um, actually, it's, it's going to be enabling. It's uh, of all the things it could be, because you only gave me one word, that makes it quite difficult, actually. Um, but I would just say enabling. Uh, just think about what, it, what is it as an as a industry that literally enables people to do what they do. Uh, of course, it'll be in new ways as well. But it's that whole enabling feature of insurance. I think it's the missing, it's the missing element that has not been advertised, promoted anywhere close enough, and the industry would do a good, a good, per, a, a good deed to itself if we just made it clear about what sort of life we'd have if we didn't have the current insurance, let alone the future insurance. So true. It really does underpin um, economies. It, under, uh, it underpins um, economic growth. It underpins businesses and people's lives to really kind of protect them and allow them to do the kind of interesting things that they do and offer out to uh, the marketplace. Of course it is. You buy a house, you buy a car, you go on holiday, you suffer illness. All these things are covered in one way or another. So and that's what come back to the broker, you know, or the intelligent agent in some form. I just need someone to tell me what I need. I'm probably not smart enough to know what I want. So I do need yeah. help. And to me, I just love to see eventually something or someone amalg- amalgamating the things I need cover for and just telling me with one, one, in one way, this is what you need and this is what it looks like. I don't want to know 23 different products, sets of things. Um, they may still need to be there because of regulatory requirements, but I just want to say... I want the dog covered. I'm going skiing. The cars are real nice. I want to keep it in good condition. And I'm worried about my health. Engage. Not four products, one. A life, uh, a life, uh, life cycle product, something that will care, it will go with you as your life changes and as your um, uh, behaviors change. Yeah, why not? I mean, that's, uh, I remember the a little bankers laughing at me, or at least uh, for a short while saying they, they, they tried lifestyle banking with customers before and it doesn't work. 
<laughs> yeah, <thought>. exactly. <laughs> well, they've tried the transactional. That's not much better, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, David, as always, um, it's it's always a pleasure to to chat with you and to um, get your insights. Um, look forward to hearing how the uh, conference goes with um, all those agents and what great ideas that you share with them and what comes out of that conference. Um, and we'll talk soon. So once again, thank you so much for spending some time today with us on uh, the future of insurance. Uh, your insights, as always, are uh, provocative and get people thinking. Denise, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to chat to you. I'll talk to you again soon.